As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at Mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that got our outfits at Discount Bonanza, it's Sif Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks. Go Beavers! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's happy, happy not to hear a lecture. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! And each week we'll chat about movies and television and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week, uh, film critic for Fox 19 in Cincinnati. Ladies and gentlemen, it's TT! Welcome, TT! Hey! Hey! Uh, TT and I met through Critics' Choice. We're both in uh, the Critics' Choice Association, and so hanging out at the awards or at different uh, meetings, those kind of things, uh, we've gotten to know each other. Uh, with My main memory is we were getting ready to leave uh, a kind of a little dinner thing on top of one of the places there in Santa Monica, and my wife and I were walking out and saw you and your lovely there and had a nice little conversation. I was like, I mean, I like this guy. I should try to get him on the show sometime. So uh, so here you are. You said yes, and you're hanging out with us. Uh, so welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. I have to say, that, again, that story that you just told, my version of that story is the idea that you were kind of like the, you know, like a, a big brother kind of mentor to me because <clears throat> I was literally in my first year. And my wife and I right. had no idea of what we were doing, what was going on. <laughs> and, you know, I saw you as a familiar face. We had seen each other before at a, at a couple of other press events. And I was like, okay, I know that guy. <laughs> so there's someone I can talk to. And you and your wife were so gracious. So my wife and I definitely appreciate that. I'm glad to have the opportunity to, to hang out with you on the show. So. Oh, thanks, TT. No, it was, it was a great conversation. And and yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that was your first year in, mm-hmm. in doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, and and it's good. It's it's one of my favorite things about... Man, I always forget. I've been in the CCA now for... Man, I'm going to say 
seven years, seven, eight years, uh, something like that. And I, I just, I think that it's just something new in my life, but it's not like I'm kind of a veteran at, the, at that whole thing now. So, uh, but yeah, see, and I was thinking about how, you know, it's, it's very likely if they're, I mean, the awards will happen, but it will look very differently. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if it'll, you know, be an event or those kind of things this year. And I was thinking, yeah, maybe I'll miss seeing celebrities and that kind of stuff, but really I'm going to miss hanging out with my movie critic mm -hmm. friends and just seeing, right. you know, people like you and just, you know, catching up and that kind of stuff. So it's great to have you on the show. Tell, tell everybody kind of a little bit about your own background as far as, you know, when did you fall in love with movies? Why do you do what you do? Like, how has your story developed to where you're a, a movie critic now? All right. Well, let me see if I can give you the, the nickel version of that, which is going to like fly by. So okay, the, sure, sure. The nickel version is this. I've loved film since I was a kid. Um, grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. My mother used to go to the movies a lot. And not only would she go to the movies, but she would actually buy the soundtrack. So we used to have those big old album jackets. And she was big in the black exploitation films in the 70s. And I grew up looking at those album covers for the soundtracks or films thinking, man, I want to go see that. You know, whether it was Cleopatra Jones or, you know, Shaft or whatever. And I was right. like, like that's that's what I want to do. I want to see those people that are on those screens right. and, and kind of live in those worlds. So as I got older, she started taking me to the movies and that was where the love affair began. I ended up hanging out with friends who had, you know, we all shared similar interests. So I went from my mom to my friends to eventually actually just going by myself because I got to the stage where there were things that I wanted to see that I couldn't convince anyone else to go check out with me. So I remember... <laughs> Going to see The Last Temptation of Christ was the first film that I saw by myself oh, wow. in a theater. <clears throat> and again, it just kind of kept snowballing and adding up. And when I was in college, I actually got a business degree. But while I was in college, really hating my business courses, I took a bunch of classes outside of the business school that, you know, English classes and communications classes where we got to study film as text. So it gave me more opportunity to kind of dig into different kinds of films that I hadn't seen before, different genres, study actors or directors. And I kept building and building onto that. And eventually I, I got out of school, started working on a nonprofit world, but spent most of my time kind of thinking about each week. It was kind of like, well, what am I going to watch over the weekend? Mm -hmm. if, you know, yeah. film was, was always that driving force, for right. me, that driving factor. And when I moved to Cincinnati 20 years ago, um, I came here with a spreadsheet that I had been keeping since probably about 90, 94, 95, with nice. everything that I had seen and with notes about the films and you know what I liked, what I didn't like, whatever else. And I got here and I sent that spreadsheet out to every outlet in Cincinnati and kind of said, I've never written about film before, <clears throat> never written professionally, period. And I was kind of like, I think I can. And it, right. you know, if you want to know what I think about film, take a look at this. And the Alt Weekly here, Cincinnati City Beat, uh, the editor at, at the time, took a look at that spreadsheet, reached back out to me, said, hey, let's grab coffee and we'll have a chat. Nice. And before I knew it, I, that was my first gig. I, I started writing for them. Uh, and it's been about six or seven years now that I've been doing not only the work with them, uh, at the paper, but yeah, I, I ended up hooking up with uh, the local Fox affiliate here, Fox 19, and was doing just one day a week. It was, you know, Friday opening mm -hmm. day. I would do reviews for them. But then 
obviously quarantine hit and about (laughs) two weeks into quarantine this year, uh, the producer that I worked with was kind of like, okay, would you like to be on for more than one day a week? Uh, and I was like, sure, I guess. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the, what you what you you know what you're thinking that I'm going to do. And he's like, but whatever you're watching, whether it's uh, streaming shows or you know old movies, or whatever else. He's like, we need to fill time slots. So he's like, I can give you you know five minutes a day for each weekday. And that would that would have been so it. that would have been such a strange situation, right? Because they're coming to you with a great offer. It's nice, you know, more exposure, all that kind of mm-hmm. fun stuff. But they're coming to you and saying, "Hey, during this time where there's less movies coming out, why don't you talk <clears throat> more?" <laughs> it's like right. okay, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's been interesting because what has happened is obviously there are still tons of independent films and the distributors that are out there trying to get those titles out because they're coming out on video on demand. So I was able to kind of open things up because initially when I was doing just the the one day a week kind of deal, you were only talking about the blockbuster films that were going to open up in the Mm -hmm. multiplexes. So, and I used to kind of debate with the producers like, well, wait a minute, these films don't need me in the same way that some of the independent fair that's going to play at the art house theater here in town. Right. Like I want to talk about that stuff more. And they were always kind of like, well, we'll give you a minute at the end of your segment if you want to, you know, riff right, about right, some of these right. things yeah, you yeah, want yeah. to talk about. So it was like, okay, that's fine. But now, thanks to quarantine, they were just like, whatever you want to talk about, just <laughs> nice. just talk about it. And it's great. So it really gave me the chance to kind of open things up and get the you know the the viewers here exposed to more than they were going to see in those multiplex kind of kind of scenarios. Yeah. And I live downtown in Cincinnati now, so it's one of those things during quarantine. I my wife and I go out for walks. And I see people on a fairly regular basis now who were like, hey, movie guy, you know, mm-hmm. or they'll say, hey, TT. <laughs> and next thing I know, you know, I'm trying to start conversations with people kind of like, OK, well, so you see me on TV. What you know, what are you watching at home or what are you watching if you feel comfortable going into theaters? And we'll have those kinds of conversations. And it's really been great because it has shown that people are kind of buying into you know, those smaller titles or those, you know, quirky kinds of sh- you know, shows that might be on Hulu or, right. you know, Amazon Prime that, that people aren't normally checking out. But they're like, well, yeah, you talked about it and you seem pretty excited or, in a, you know, about it. So I was like, yeah, I went ahead and I decided to check it out. I got the time. Why not? And it does. It kind of opens things up so that hopefully once we get through all of this, It'll be easier for me to go back to the one day a week, but in going back to that one day a week, I can at least make an argument then mm-hmm. to say, hey, we don't have to just limit ourselves into what we're going to talk about because of what you think the audience is, is right. looking for. The audience is bigger and more open than you than you probably were giving them credit for. So let's let's embrace that, have some fun with it. I, I very much identify with... Uh, I two started on TV about eight years ago here locally. And, you know, there came a time where there would be more and more people who would, you know, recognize me from that. And they would always start a conversation with, well, what's your favorite movie? You're the movie guy. What's your favorite movie? And I learned very quickly that's not actually what they wanted to know. What they actually (laughs) wanted to do was tell me their favorite movie. And that's just a way in for them Mm -hmm. to do that. So eventually I got to the place where I didn't even answer the question. I just immediately said, oh, I like a lot of stuff. What's your your favorite? Like I just immediately gave them the opportunity Mm -hmm. to talk about movies because that's what's fun, right? Like to, to actually have those conversations 
Um, so yeah, I, I have very, very similar experiences yeah. in that I regard. Had, I had to learn how to do that too, which was a really weird experience for me because the first couple of times it happened, I'm a pretty private guy. And having people come up to me and say, hey, TT or hey, movie guy, I was like, well, what? I don't know you. Don't <laughs> talk to me. Leave me alone. And and all of a sudden, then it once the conversation would start. Yeah, I had to kind of think through, OK, well, what what is this exchange really about? And yeah. the cool thing is, like you said, kind of recognizing that it's not it's not about what they want to hear from me no. because they hear from me. Right. on television anyway so yeah right. what they're what they're really saying is yeah i want to be able to have a conversation to tell you what i like yeah yeah and once you can once you recognize that then you do start to have you know and it, and again for me as a critic it kind of made me think that you know yeah that's that's really the heart of what this this whole exchange is really about mm-hmm. it, it should be a dialogue yeah and unfortunately because of you know whether it's in print or on television it isn't a dialogue in the formal way that they see us. But again, when they can catch up with us one-on-one, you, you gotta, you gotta lean into that. So it's, it's been really exciting. Actually. You're uh you're preaching our language, man, right? At Sif pop, like you even look in the, the Sif pop logo uh, in the O mm-hmm. is our, our main logo. And it is two conversation bubbles uh, because it really is a, you know, a dialogue uh, about movies that we crave. It's not just telling people what we think. It's also hearing what they think. So, right. So yeah, we love that stuff. Well, we appreciate you being here, TT. Uh, thank you for taking some time out uh, on a Sunday afternoon to do a live show with us. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, right. excited excited to have you around. Um, so well, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Uh, let's uh, let's kick it off with uh, a review of Let Him Go. I saw exactly what I've always felt about Donnie Wee Boy. And I saw that girl can't protect her child. Margaret Jimmy's her boy. He's your grandson. We're trying to locate a Donnie wee boy. He married our son's widow. Got our grandson with him. You let it be known you're looking for a wee boy. I'll find you. Following the loss of their son, a retired sheriff and his wife leave their Montana ranch to rescue their young grandson from the clutches of a dangerous family living off the grid in the Dakotas. Of course, uh, Kevin Costner starring in this, uh, kind of doing that down-home Costner thing. Uh, what did you guys think? Uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Uh, I'm going to give it a frustrated liked it. Okay, a frustrated liked it. <clears throat> TT, yeah. what do you think? I'm gonna. I'm firmly in the liked it, and maybe even leaning a little higher than that. Okay. But yeah, but firmly, firmly liked it. Sounds like a high side of liked it. Um, I really struggled on. Actually, both the movies we're going to talk about this week. I my you know my meter kept kind of going like this as I would think about different portions of them. Um, I think I land uh, for this one smack dab in the liked it category i like this movie i I found it i found it entertaining uh i was never bored i i felt like as i uh it 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 felt like a good movie going experience you know if that's a thing in 2020 you know it it felt like a a good movie watching experience um and there are certainly some things that that's you know stuck out to me that uh i didn't quite like but overall, as I look back, I go, no, I like that movie. I would recommend that movie, that kind of thing. So um, yeah. what are some general thoughts, TT, 
on uh, on Let Him Go? <clears throat> well, for me, one of the the reasons why it's it's in that like it and leaning a little higher category is because you know, for better or for worse, one of the things that this film is hopefully going to remind the industry of is the idea that you can actually make you know this kind of film, which is kind of a mid mid-level mid-range kind of studio release sure yeah with recognizable stars that doesn't cost a lot of money but again it's going to really it's going to know its audience really well and it's going to it's going to zero in on them in a particular way and again that's we used to get more of those kinds of films we unfortunately because of again kind of pre-covid we were we were in the superhero blockbuster kind of realm and then it would get broken up a little obviously during mm-hmm. the award season with the prestige films so it was either that stuff or again the smaller fare that you'll get in the you know in your art house theaters uh but there's there wasn't that middle range or there wasn't as much of that as we used to get so yeah, yeah i kind of appreciated the idea that this was an opportunity to kind of come back to those mid-range kinds of titles and get just good solid entertainment for that yeah. value yeah it's everything has, seems like it has to be an event movie and this movie's like no no it doesn't have to be an event mm-hmm. movie you know it can just be a uh, you know a well-made film so uh yeah no i i hear that uh, quite a bit andrew what are some of your general thoughts the reason why i'm giving it a frustrated liked it yes i did like it but i'm frustrated because there is a brilliant movie here that that the potential was not fully tapped on like I'm watching this, I'm like, man, this. I know this movie could be like one of the best movies ever if they just like polished it up here, or you know, if they just worked on little bits here. Because there's moments in this movie where I'm going, wow, the the acting by Diane Lane and and uh, uh, Kevin Costner and even uh, what's her, uh, Leslie Manville. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, you guys are just chewing up the scenery. But then there's scenes, I guess you could say, like the meat and the potatoes of the movie, like where the movie really is supposed to be like uh, captivating his stuff. It doesn't reach the potential. I know this movie could, but it's still good. Uh, uh, the dialogue is, you know, captivating and these characters are intriguing. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I think that this movie had potential way beyond what was given to us. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would say there's too much more potential. There were certainly some things I think could have been done better. I just think it's got a, a really solid storyline. You know, it's just a it's a it's a really interesting and not complicated storyline uh, that is that is by definition uh, has some depth to it. You know, there's some real emotion um, emotion to just actually the basic storyline of of what's going on in this uh, in this movie. So you know, for me. Um, I think for me, you mentioned Leslie Manville. I actually didn't quite like that performance. It was it was one of the things about the movie I didn't enjoy. Uh, in fact, that entire family uh, for me was a little bit over the top, a little bit too scenery chewy. And, and it may just be in comparison to how much I feel like Costner hits it out of the park in this movie. Like just he feels so authentic and so real. And Diane Lane uh, does as well. And they just feel so authentic and real. And then I just felt like the the wee boy family. Uh, in general, yeah. other than Jeffrey Donovan, who I, I thought kind of maybe like Jeffrey Donovan, yeah, I, I thought he kind of maybe bridged that, you know, um, because there's a maleficence to this family that is beyond. It's not, 
it, it should be like, uh, you know, kind of underwater a little bit, you know, it kind of runs under the stream and just for, for Leslie Manville's character and the other wee boy uh, characters in this, it was all right on top and it was just all mm-hmm. right there. And yeah. so, so for me, that was the part that I thought could have, you know, been better is to m- maybe make that a little more subtle. Although well, the, th- the thing that got me in this movie is like, why, why is this family so feared? And like, everybody's like walking on eggshells around and we never, we never figure it out. Like I, yeah. I need more information as to why I should be afraid of these people. Just everybody's like, Ooh, the wee boys, Ooh, the wee boys. I'm like, what about them? What do they do? Well, I mean, we eventually get, we eventually get to some places where it's like, Oh, if they're these kind of people, then maybe that's why people fear them. Like there are eventually some <laughs> things they do in the movie, not to spoil anything where you'd be like, Oh yeah, that makes them dangerous people. Um, well, but yeah, yeah, but like to an extent, but sure, I don't know. I can't get. I guess I can't get into more of it without spoilers. So sure. I'll just leave it there. It's it's interesting, kind of hearing the back and forth that you guys have set up on this because one of the things that happened for me after watching this film, I got the chance to to get that the novel that it's based on, and I usually obviously don't have the time to read novels after seeing a film and, you know, kind of doing your reviews and all that. But I did take the opportunity to read the novel for this and it has opened it up for me in some really interesting ways. Again, obviously we completely recognize that, you know, the film and, and, and the book are going to be two very separate stories and, and, and modes of operating, but it was fascinating to me to be able so closely after seeing the film to be able to sit down and read this because there are elements i think that you know if you read it then it will help explain some of those things and the problems that you might have that you feel that you're missing out maybe about the wee boy family or there are actually other characters that are not included in the film at all so it's again it's another one of those things to sort of see how does a screenwriter in this case a screenwriter director take the time to really say okay this is an important plot piece for the film that you know or this isn't mm-hmm. and how do i make those choices how do i streamline things and what am i sacrificing by making those choices i i think i feel the same way about the book actually that i feel about the film i i it's a simple story but it's told really well and i by the time i finished it i was kind of like yeah i really like this book too you know it's not going to be like my my pick for the best book i've ever read or anything right but it's a very solid story and every element works perfectly. And again, now that we have Costner's face and Diane Lane's face kind of to attach to these characters, it filled it out for me a bit more. Nice. It really did. I, uh, there, I had two thoughts on that. I think they kind of work hand in hand because I think one of the things we're all talking about is character investment. And I think the movie does that really well. It sounds like the book does uh, does mm-hmm. too, where you are invested in what happens to these characters. Now, that leads to what may be my favorite part of the movie, uh, or my favorite thing about the movie, which I just think the tension in this movie is really well done. Um, oh, yeah. The, the yes. scenes where we're supposed to be on edge and wondering what's going to happen, and oh, no, our, you know, our friends are in danger. Like Those were real, and they... they I really got those. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, the character investment and the way that it's set up. And, mm-hmm. um, and so if, if I had one thing to pick out uh, about the movie that I think it has going for it the most, I, I think it's the tension. I think it really can dial yeah. that tension up to the place. And, and also it, it does it. Um, 
it does it smartly too because it, it understands as an audience where you need to go, where you need to release the tension, and then how to dial it back up again and maybe a little bit more. So it, it, there's a good flow to the tension in this movie too. It's not you know necessarily I don't know I'm gonna say uncut gems where it's just all tension all the time you know that kind of thing. Um, so so yeah so I, I thought that was you know a really well done part of what's going on here. Um, any other thoughts? Uh, general thoughts? Uh, Aaron, have you started watching Yellowstone yet? I haven't. This made me okay. want, this mm-hmm. made me, uh, even more likely to pick that up at some point. Um, well, the reason why, whenever you said, uh, Kevin Costner is like one of the most captivating parts of it to you. Yeah. As I was watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, he's just doing his character from Yellowstone. Well, and, and his character mm-hmm. from Field of Dreams and his character, you know, he's just down home Kevin Costner, you know? Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Without getting too much into spoilers, I think my biggest negative with this movie is the decisions one of our main character makes throughout the film. I questioned, like, uh, this is not in your best interest, nor your partner's best interest. This You're driven solely by emotion without any cause of, like, survival instinct or anything like that. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Because... And it could also work for a pro because at the end of this movie, you're supposed to be going, oh, yeah, well, it's not all black and white, you know, like technically they have no right to ask for this child or anything like, yes, they want to help it. But other than that, I mean, that's all that they're going off of. But uh, yeah, so the movie does leave you with a lot of like moral quandaries at the end of it. But at the same time, I did find myself like, while I was watching the movie, going, uh, th- that's a silly, that's a silly move. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Think of, mm-hmm. think of the uh, because you, what you're talking about are a lot of the same things you deal with at the end of uh, Gone Baby Gone, right? Like the mm-hmm. the you know some kind of the yeah. similar ideas. And think of the difference in how these movies handled that. And think of how much more you come away from Gone Baby Gone just completely wrecked and just completely like I don't know what I would do in this situation. And here, I think it tries to be a little more clear. And I think to the movie's credit, because I think it's the kind of movie it wants to be, it, we have heroes and villains. You know, we have, we know what the quote unquote right thing for the movie is. And I, I think that's fine. I just think they're movies with different goals um, in that yeah. way. Also, in Gone Baby Gone, I think that you have this element of Casey Affleck struggling with his mm-hmm. decisions. Right. I don't think that. Kevin Costner or Diane Lane ever morally struggle with the decisions that they're doing in this movie. So not, in any, not it, in any meaningful way. No, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. So yeah. it, I think it makes it less, uh, I guess you have a, what am I trying to say? You have less of an ability to try and, you know, you know, emotionally connect with these people because they're just good. They're just shooting from the hip on every single thing they do. They're not really, questioning or thinking about anything it's all just reactions yeah well once again the the, the book geek here is gonna, gonna <laughs> hey you throw it out off. man normally i think it's geek, so please <laughs> i think it's fascinating that you actually mentioned gone baby gone because I, I i love that movie and the way that it plays out but in the same way i also read the book that that was based on and there is a really interesting thing for me and that i think Ben Affleck, you know, made a very key decision at the end of that film. Yeah, it, cha- it changes from the, the the end of the book, 
And as a matter of fact, I think the film is actually better than the book because of the choices that he made. He makes a decision mm-hmm. to say, okay, this character is going to be reinvested in the life in the life of this person in a very key way that was not written. It was that was not how it was written, and it made it impactful in that way. Unfortunately, in the case of Let It Go, there are things that you don't know about this couple that are not part of the film, but that are part of the book. And again, it's not a huge detail and they don't necessarily spend a lot of time with it, but there's, there's, there's just enough of the information that you're given to let you know that, okay, well, wait a minute, this is really what's driving them and why they're doing this. Yeah. And it's, and it is actually weird now that I'm sitting here thinking about it to you, you don't get that information at all in the film. And I think the way you guys are talking by not getting that information, it sets up a really, you know, a, a, a meaningful degree of frustration that if they had figured out a way to incorporate this little bit of backstory, it would have it would have probably satisfied yeah. you in a lot of ways. Yeah, and that's just at the end of the day that's something books can do better than movies. You know, yeah. it's just I there there are very few books made into movies uh, that I watch the movie after reading the book and don't see the shortcuts. You know, you just mm-hmm. you just because yeah. there have to be shortcuts, you just have to do it. Um, so no, that's, that's good information. And, and I'm glad you brought that up. I do. I did care about this couple. I, I liked the dynamic. I think this movie is more about their dynamic almost than anything mm-hmm. else. It's really yeah. about, you know, her leading with her gut and him trying to steady that. And, uh, and I think the, the movie does a good job at, at playing out that dynamic. Um, overall for me, I think this is one I would recommend to somebody who just wants a good movie to watch. Uh, it is, it's something it's not. It's not necessarily going to blow your mind. It's not necessarily something I would say. Hey, risk your life during a pandemic to go see in the theater. Um, but right. it's it's something I would say when it's available to you. Yeah, check it out. I think you might have a good time with it. Um, what about you guys? Would, yeah. it, would it be a recommend for you? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And again, yeah, I feel like this is a, this is the kind of film again in that mid range kind of category that I was talking about earlier that will play well, whether it's on a big screen or whether we're streaming it, you know, on our computers or our TVs at home. And yeah, having those familiar faces will draw you in and give you that sense of comfort as you kind of make your way into and through the story. So I think, yeah, I I have no problem recommending it at all. Awesome. Yeah, it is interesting that this was a uh, in theaters only type of movie because like mm-hmm. Titi said, it's not a movie that demands itself to be seen on a big screen or anything like that. So the fact that like uh, a streaming service or something like that didn't buy it up or video on demand or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, but I'm not going to complain about getting to go to the movie theaters because I miss it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of the movie theaters, uh, our next review also uh, is one that uh, you can only see in theaters right now. Let's talk a little bit about Freaky. Honestly, if this was a horror movie, I'd be one of the first ones to get killed. Cue the creepy dude in the mask. Like I said. But actually, it turns out... Where am I? I didn't get killed. Oh my god, why do I sound like that? I woke up in the killer's body. 
The Blissfield Butcher strikes again. 17-year-old Millie Kessler spends her days trying to survive high school in the cruel actions of the popular crowd. But when she becomes the latest target of the butcher, the town's infamous serial killer, her senior year becomes the least of her worries. Uh, you got Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton uh, playing the main roles uh, in this. And this is comes to us, I forget exactly where the connection is, but it's the same uh, the same genesis of the Happy Death oh, Christopher Day. Christopher Landon. Yeah, Christopher mm. Landon, right? Uh, yep. So, and it kind of plays that same, those same chords where here's a thing that movies have done, you know, body switches, uh, whereas Happy Death Day was Groundhog Day scenarios. Yeah. Uh, and now we're going to put a... Friday the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to put a horror spin on it. So, what did you guys think? Um, TT, we'll start with you this time. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Squarely liked it. Okay, right in the middle yeah. of the liked it. Andrew. Right in the middle. Uh, same, squarely, right in the smack dab middle of liked we're just, it. We're boring. We're boring this week. Uh, I also am smack dab in the middle of liked it. Uh, you know, in, in we, that's where I landed on Let Him Go too. So it's an interesting week for me because these couldn't be more different films, but I have some very <laughs> no, similar feelings on they're them. Different, <laughs> they're different <laughs> levels of like. Like yeah. the like I have for Freaky is not the same like I have for Let Him Go. Right, right. Um, did you guys like when you were watching this? Did you think this was that Landon was starting like a cinematic universe with like his movies? Like, did you think this was going to tie into Happy Death Day? I, I didn't even consider it. It wouldn't have surprised me if it if it had. But um, but no, I, I hadn't thought about that. I actually did kind of think he was, and I was and I was looking forward to that because I was a big fan of Happy yeah. Death Day, and yeah, yeah that's probably why I'm I'm just in the squarely like this because uh, it didn't quite goose me in the ways that it, that you know okay let me let me talk about something real quick did. because if we talk about differences between the two which i think is a valid thing to talk about because these movies will be compared because like we mm-hmm. we talked about similar origin similar sure. idea the thing squarely in the different category for me is happy death day is very much a this is the easiest way to say it but it's probably too broad but it's a pg-13 horror movie this is definitely a rated r horror movie like there's that that to me strikes me as the biggest difference between the two i don't know what that means i don't know you know uh if that says something about me that that's maybe why i would like happy death day because i'm not a horror guy so like the the gore and that kind of stuff is more often than not going to turn me off than make me enjoy the movie. Um, and so uh, so maybe that's why I like Happy Death Day, maybe uh, a little bit more. But um, but I uh, but I would be really curious as to those decisions and why they decided maybe to, you know, make this uh, a much harder content wise uh, movie. And it's not just the gore. It's you know, it's it's a much harder movie uh, all around. But did you guys think about that? Did, did that ever strike either of you? No, honestly. Yeah. didn't because <laughs> uh, I was more comparing this movie emotionally as opposed to like uh, thematically I was thinking yeah the emotions in this movie aren't hitting me like Happy Death Day did because Happy Death Day I think surprisingly has some like hard hitting emotional moments to it that I felt like this movie was trying to like hey do you remember how we made you feel in Happy Death Day during those sad moments we're going to try and do that to you here but they don't land so I don't know if that just put me in a different uh, headspace, but that's where I came off at it. Hmm. What about you, TT? You know, that's pretty cool because I, I agree with you that, yeah, the emotional moments 
don't land as well in this particular case as they did in, in Happy Death Day. But for me, I actually enjoyed the performances more in this. Oh, interesting. You know, I came away from this really surprised at how much I enjoyed Vince Vaughn. He's so good. He he's fun. is so, so good, fun. so much fun. And you can tell that he's actually threading this this really interesting kind of needle between, you know, the whole Friday the 13th, you know, the killer, the lumbering kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. And he's got that anyway. He's a big kind of hulking guy. And you don't, like, to see him use that, use his physicality in that way was really exciting. But then also... To see him really embody the idea of having this this you know teenage girl kind of spirit in him, he totally surrendered to that and was just like, yeah, let's go with it, let's have fun with it. And I was kind of like, wow, I want to see more of this Vince Vaughn. So that was exciting. And again, that's one of the reasons why I still feel like, yeah, overall the film didn't hit me the same way. But wow, what works in this? works really well i'd go so far as to say i think vince vaughn is the reason i like this movie like i almost mm, wonder yeah. with a different well, person in that role if i come away just like hey, i was okay you know but ooh. he 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 nails this movie so well uh and i found him so funny and and so and i know you're talking about the the moving parts not moving you as much andrew but I found him believable in the emotional parts too i you know there were there were those moments of um uh, you know, the feelings that he's having. And then you're like, yes, that's the feeling of the teenage girl character coming through this adult man. I just, I thought it was a really great performance. I, I really bought in. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you on that front that Vince Vaughn is like the best part of this movie. I will say though, um, if you gave me the option of either watching Vince Vaughn in this or just Jessica Rose in the happy death is, I'm choosing Jessica, honestly. I think her character is a lot more fun because it's a character I can... I don't know if it's because of the way this movie's done. Uh, it's a character I'd be excited to go and see again. With this one, you you know where the outcome's going to be with this, with how everything ends with Vince Vaughn, you know. So mm -hmm. it's not like you get excited, like, oh, I need more of Freaky, Freaky Friday the 13th. But... uh. I also another thing I want to disagree on is the only you said that he was like the main or only reason why you like this movie. I like her friends. I like uh, I'm going to look up their names, but uh, Celeste O'Connor and uh, Misha Osherovich, uh, her two friends. I thought that they were so fun. I I and, and we're ha we're gonna have the exact same conversation we had about the wee boys. Uh, I found them a little over the top. Uh, they they this seem whole movie's to me over the top. No, I that's a fair point. That is an absolutely fair point. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Except that for whatever reason, I bought into <laughs> Vince Vaughn's authenticity uh, in the role. But yes, the whole movie is over the top, and I think that's a fine yeah. defense for what you're talking about. I'm just saying personally, it was a little bit too caricature for I me. Love How. However, extra. yes, mm -hmm. yes. However, I do get the appeal, and I actually think the performance uh, among those that I liked was Uriah Shelton um, as the um, Booker uh, oh, character. The, oh yeah, okay. I, I that, just, I yeah. just thought well, he felt very awkward, real. 
<laughs> There's probably one of the most awkward movie scenes. It's kind of beautiful, <laughs> though, right? Like, it's kind of beautiful. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's, it's kind of so beautiful. Weird. I laughed. I, I don't get me wrong. I laughed, but like in my head, I'm going, "This is so weird right now." I don't know. I Kudos think it, to both of them yes. for keeping a straight face. Not yes. only keeping a straight yes. face, but playing it real. Like, I, I think there yeah. is an authenticity there <laughs> that that is. That is worth exploring. You know, the idea that what is it that we love about people and if it really isn't just their physical appearance, I don't know. I, there's something really interesting there about who we are in our spirit is more important than whatever package we come in, you know? So uh, I don't know. I Listen, maybe I'm just a sucker for that stuff, but uh, it kind of worked for me. Uh, so anyway. Yeah. Yeah, right. it does work, but it's it's also interesting that I mean we're sitting we're all sitting here really laughing and enjoying sure, yeah. it. But there it it didn't feel like that there was any effort to try to put, you know, quotation marks around no. what was happening. No. It was no. just it was just what happened in that mm -hmm. moment. And that was kind of like, wow. That's... Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't okay. like the the gay panic jokes, you know, in the 80s or whatever. Where yeah. It was like, oh, no. Like, there wasn't any of that to it. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't any kind of, like, making fun or anything right. like that. It was just, and, and I can really see how some, um, how many people would feel seen and kind of heard, you know. Um, mm -hmm. You talk about the transgender community and, and you talk about the idea of, you know, not feeling externally like you feel internally. And, man, that could be really meaningful for some people. So, yeah, I, I thought they handled it really well. However it made you feel, uh, I, I felt like they, they handled it really well. So, yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> is that the highlight of the movie? Is that scene the highlight of the movie? I, you know, Ooh. I don't know. Uh, probably, probably not. For me, the highlight of the movie is probably when he uh, has to, I, I should say she, sorry, pronouns, she, uh, in Vince Vaughn's body, has to convince her friends that... Oh, the dance? Yeah, and so yeah. there, there is that, that whole fight slash trying to convince scene that is so good. That's probably yeah. the highlight of the film for me um, when I really come down to it, but... Mm. Yeah. But but yeah, I I don't know. I it, again, it's another movie that I had uh, a really good time watching, and uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. So, what are what are some other general thoughts, guys? Anything? Did we I cover really it all? Wish this, yeah, <laughs> I, I really wish this. Other than I just, I really wish was this. This was in a Happy Death Day universe, like it mm. was a extended universe. It's ah, uh, well, it's frustrating, but it's not necessary. It doesn't take away anything. It's no. just something I wanted. I wasn't given. So that's yeah. not really that big a deal. Yeah, that's on you. That's, those are your expectations. You, the movie doesn't <laughs> yeah. have to live up to that. Uh, but no. yeah, no, when what's interesting, Happy Death Day itself, like with Happy Death Day to you, kind of broadened the idea of what that movie was in an interesting way. So, you know, he's, it's not yeah, that he's that's unwilling. Yeah, branching out. Right. It's not that he's unwilling yeah. to play with those things. So who knows, you know. Um, yeah. So here's a question as we kind of finish this up, since we've, we've covered kind of the things we want. Um, what is the next film genre trope uh for him to right. to make into a horror movie we've done groundhog day we've done freaky friday what's the you know what's the next one that he could play around with any thoughts it's Ooh. uh it has to be something to do with like a mystical element so i'm trying to mm -hmm. think of like a classic 70s or 80s movie that had like a that <laughs> a horror version of never ending story that's what we <laughs> need <laughs> fantasy 
the next next yeah. he's going with like yeah with with a fantasy yeah. uh, yeah. movie. I I don't know. I was trying to think if there are any really because both of those concepts are structural concepts, right? They're you know they're very um, structural things yeah. that that you can kind of lay other things on top of. I was trying to think of any other structural kind of you know tropes like that and in an I, I couldn't come up with any, so I was curious if if you guys did. But um, yeah. uh, if I had time, I probably could have come up with something. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, nothing jumping out to me right now. Me either. Although I'm kind of curious about the idea of almost like a Breakfast Club kind of scenario, mm-hmm. a Breakfast Club escape room, right? <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, something along those lines. So yeah, yeah. but eh. yeah. Well, you did. You did have Alan Ruck in this, you know, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So there, there's that. Yeah, that was that was wild. Uh, see him pop up. Did you Did you guys notice that? Uh, uh, what was his name? Her, her the love interest. She had a uh, Booker. Yeah, you're right. Uh, his last name was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, on his football jersey, it said Strode. Like Leslie Strode right. from the Halloween movies. Ah. There were there were a lot of fun little Easter yeah. eggs like that I found in the movie. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the final thing I will say is this: this uh, kind of struck me as a little bit weird. I grew up in a town that was two towns over from a bliss field, and there was an urban <laughs> legend uh, about uh, some killings that happened in Blissfield uh, when I was growing up, and that they had gone on like Oprah or something like that and talked about it. But it was, but it was definitely an urban legend. But when I was growing up. We didn't have like Snopes.com to go, you know, check that kind of stuff no. out. So mm-hmm. it was weird to be like, oh, there's a Blissfield butcher. That sounds familiar. It's <laughs> like, what is going yeah, what on? Yeah, what do you think? What do you think Blair Witch Project did so good? Because Snope wasn't around. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Nobody there to disprove it. Um, what do you think? Recommend? I would say recommend. If, if you can take oh, yeah. the, the violence oh, yeah. and the gore and you like horror yeah. movies, like, I think it's a it's kind of given for a recommend there. Uh, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Well, before we head on to the best ever challenge this week, I uh, just want to take a second to thank our amazing Sif Pop members for making this show possible. We appreciate you. We love you. We recorded a uh, members only pre-show this week with TT. He played the list of shame game with us. So if you want to hear that and check out all the other fun stuff uh, for our members, you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Sift Pop, patreon.com slash Sift Pop. And thank you very much. It means the world to us. All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. We're going to take a look at the best ever Kevin Costner movies. Uh, so not necessarily the best ever Kevin Costner performances, but the best ever movies that Kevin Costner has been in. We will go from number five to number one. Uh, Andrew, you're going to start. What is your number okay. five? Uh, and feel free to trump anything that you have higher uh, if you hear it mentioned before uh, you're ready to talk about it so what do you got andrew i'm gonna go with the 2016 film hidden figures hmm. good choice Any good choice no, no no it's in my honorable mentions oh man but- i uh i remember the first time i saw this actually i was at uh somebody's house and uh they got the movie like uh through something that they do i'm trying to <laughs> be subtle here and uh <laughs> tt knows all about what you're talking yeah. about yeah and uh i i remember not expecting really anything but i remember leaving this going wow taraji Pienson, you are illegally good nobody should be that good and uh i also liked uh i, I did like octavia spencer but uh janelle 
Monet. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, she was such a fun character. Everybody in this movie, those three especially. I mean, Kevin Costner's doing Kevin Costner. You know, uh, it's nothing to really write home about, but also the uh, maybe it's the fact that I also love the space program and learning anything I can about the history of it lends itself to me just loving it automatically. But I think this is a really good movie with great performances. I agree with you. I think it's very yeah. solid. I definitely had it in my, mm-hmm. my honorable mentions as well. Uh, I think the key takeaway from that, Andrew, is that you think Taraji P. Henson should be arrested. Uh, I think that's yes. the, well, that's <laughs> the main thing I think. For being too good of an actress. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just clear that up. Clear that up. Yeah. Uh, TT, what do you got at number five? All right. For me at number five, I've got the upside of anger. Oh, okay. Yeah. I really love that whole dynamic between Joan Allen and Kevin Costner. And again, it's kind of interesting to me because in a lot of ways, I think the sometimes the, the best Kevin Costner performances are those where he's got a, a really strong female lead that he's kind of interacting with. Um, so yeah, this is like I said. This is the yeah. This is number five for me, um, and a kind of surprising number five because again, this isn't necessarily the kind of film that we immediately kind of attach to him. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Sure. Good call. Good call. Uh, I will uh, preface my number five by saying my entire list is very personal. Uh, so there are there are reasons I love these movies more than some that you might think would be on the list. Uh, and, uh, anytime you have to give a preface, you know, you know, that interesting things are coming, but I have it number five for love of the game. Um, I, really, I love that movie. I really okay. like this movie. And part of it has to do with sports. I love sports mm-hmm. movies. Um, yeah. Kevin Costner in sports movies is extra fun. Uh, it's, you know, he does baseball movies really well. Uh, a much larger portion of this than I would like to admit has to do the, uh, with it that he's playing for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and as a Michigan boy, uh, you know, watching watching a okay. Detroit team succeed these days is is very fun. Uh, and and I don't often get that chance. So uh, so yeah. So does and just the the way this movie holds. In fact, the the part of this movie that almost drags it down is the the backstory stuff, the relational stuff, the game stuff in this movie is just absolutely wonderful. Um, but I think there may be just a little bit extra of kind of what the movie is actually about than than I needed to kind of get that feeling between them. So, um, but I love it. I, I always enjoy watching it. So I had it at number five. So. Oh, I'm right there with you. I love it too. It's it's as you'll know fun, uh, later on. It's not my favorite baseball Kevin Costner movie, <laughs> but I do love it. Ah. Uh, a little yeah. bit of a tease. Uh, yes. what, what's your number four, Andrew? Here's where I have open range. Okay. Mm. You know me. I gotta love a western, and this is. Whenever I first saw this, I'm like, "Oh, so this movie wanted to be Unforgiven," which I love Unforgiven, and it felt similar. The only thing that was keeping it from being just as good as uh, Unforgiven is, I think Gene Hackman as a villain in Unforgiven is unmatched in open mm-hmm. range. I think that there's a level of, I guess you could say, disdain for that character but at the same time you understand his you know why he does what he does gene hackman is just great but in a in open range the the robert duvall and kevin costner going back and forth it's it's a there's a bond there that you see between those two that is really something special i think like whenever you have two characters that can be portrayed as 
knowing each other and understanding each other the same as they do. And you know me, just like Aaron, I'm a, or I'm, I shouldn't say just like Aaron, but Aaron is with sports movies. I am with Westerns. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. TT, what you got at uh, number four? Uh, I'm going to go with the untouchables. Great choice. Mm-hmm. Trump. Yeah. Oh, Andrew's going to Trump you on that, that one. Yeah, I was Sorry. expecting that. I had it in my honorable mentions, but we'll wait. Uh, we'll wait till Andrew gets to it. Uh, All right. My number four again. You know, sports movies. What are you going to do? Uh, I really enjoyed McFarland USA. I don't know. Uh, this one feels very under the radar to me, but Disney has this sports movie formula down. Like they just get how to oh, make these movies. Miracle is the best sports movie ever made. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. that would be wow. an interesting conversation to have, but uh, but it's definitely up there for me. I love Miracle, um, but yeah, McFarlane USA is one I don't think a lot of people have gotten around to seeing. Kevin Costner is uh, coaching a track team, and uh, and as they kind of do their thing, it's just I, I don't know what to say. It's the formula. I just dig it, and it gave me all the feels and all the funs. So uh, I had to mention that one as well. So that's my number four. What do you got at number three, Andrew? <laughs> uh, real quick, for some reason, whenever you said McFarland USA, I don't know why, but I thought you were. But the movie Draft Day came into my head. I'm like, he likes Draft Day. That movie was that movie was not good. But no, yeah, you know McFarlane. what? There are some scenes in Draft Day that Kevin Costner alone makes amazing. Like that that movie is not great, but there are some scenes I would watch again. Uh, so yeah, that's an honorable mention for me actually yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, wait, wait, wait. Number, my number three. Your number three. All right. Here it is. Uh, you know me. I hate baseball, but I love baseball movies. And I got to go with the saddest of them all. I'm going with Field of Dreams. Yeah. Definitely trumping yeah. you on that one. Yeah. I had a feeling. Uh, what's your number three, TT? Oh, that's funny because we, it, that was my number three. Oh, well, I'll trump oh. you as well then. I'll trump you <laughs> yeah. both. That was my number three. <laughs> I guess that means. All right, Aaron, what's your number three? Oh, man. I, I really feel like this list is saying a, a lot about me. Um, my number three, I can almost guarantee, isn't on either of your lists. Uh, my number three is A Perfect World. Do you remember the movie Ooh. A Perfect World? Mm-hmm. This is a I remember a perfect world that dealt with water. The, the only reason I would think maybe Andrew, you would know this movie or have seen it is because it's Clint Eastwood. It's Kevin right. Costner and Clint Eastwood. And it is just, it's kind of different than a lot of the stuff Costner has done. And I think that's why I like it. We talked earlier about Costner oh, being Costner. Yeah, where he's the, uh, the criminal, he kidnaps the kid. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a good movie. It it's really a is. Movie. It is a really good movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear maybe some agreement on this, but I, I have just never, <laughs> for me, it is an example of when people say there are just some actors who, you know, they always play to stereotype they always play to the role and kevin costner gets put in that a lot you can put him in prince of thieves and he's still kevin costner or what you know whatever the argument Mm is like you know what even those people have those occasions where they do something a little bit different i think perfect world is that for costner and i think he's good i think he's really good in it and the dynamic between him and eastwood is is good so it's an under the radar one that if you haven't seen i would definitely recommend uh again it's called a perfect world so i have that at number three no, I was, I totally forgot about that movie. Yeah. No, that's really good. Uh, what is your number two, Andrew? This is where I have the Untouchables. All right, let's talk about it. Uh, Rest in peace, Sean Connery. Yeah. First off, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Really, really sad. Um, he is the best part of this movie, by the way. Sean Connery is. Um, 
a lot of people would say that they like De Niro as Al Capone. Yes, he's terrifying, you know, especially that one. Mm-hmm. I'll just say the, the the scene in the in the dining room. But uh, no, I think that uh, the way Sean Connery carries himself, you know, the his confidence and his knowledge that he brings to, you know, trying to bring down one of the most, if not the most notorious mafia boss of all time. And Kevin Costner's right there with him, you know. You have this young uh, uh, lawman who's, you know, just getting thrown into this world. And uh, he's like a... The Robin to Sean Connery's Batman, but uh, the way this movie is—I know, Aaron, you don't like mob movies. I mean, that's but I don't an oversimplification. I don't know if this counts. I don't know if this counts because it's technically not glorifying the mob lifestyle. It's I don't mind really... movies that involve the mob. What I what is hard for me to get on board with is a little bit of the Scorsese thing that happens sometimes where there's an excitement mm-hmm. about the mob. You know, like where there's a isn't this ama- like isn't this cool and fun and interesting uh kind of a goodfellas uh kind of thing. So, but yeah. No, this is a little bit different. Uh Untouchables doesn't quite fall into that for me. So, yeah. 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 Uh all right, number 2 TT, what do you got? <clears throat> I get the feeling this one might get Trumped, but we'll see. Personally invested, you, Aaron, mm-hmm. you've already mentioned this. I'm personally invested in my number two, and it's Bull Durham. Ah, nice, good choice. It was in my honorable mentions. So yeah, yeah. I'm a. I'm again. I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. You know, the the end of this movie, they actually shoot at the 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 stadium in Asheville where the tourists used to play. And again, mm-hmm. as a kid growing up, I was a big baseball fan. I actually played little league ball, spent a lot of time watching the tourists play and actually even remember when they really did come and they shot outside of the stadium Nice for, for that. So, yeah. And again, it's again, the, the sports films. Yeah. I, I have a real soft spot for, uh, especially for Costner in the sports films because mm-hmm. he's uh, he's obviously has a real affinity for it as well and it it kind of works for him um so i'm always really really excited and impressed by someone who you get to kind of see revisit you know a particular theme and can find ways to you know expand and explore within those worlds and again he's done it with baseball and golf and football and it's kind of like yeah to a certain extent he is one of those people who, as a performer, we kind of think, well, yeah, you're just getting Kevin Costner every time. But I also, I always feel like in each of these, in, especially in the f- sports films, there's always something a little different there, or a way that he's able to mm-hmm. tweak it so that it doesn't exactly feel like you're getting Kevin Costner every time. Right. Yeah. 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 No, that's a, that's a good choice. Bull Dorm's definitely a good choice. Um, my mm-hmm. number two... Might get trumped as one of your number ones. I had Dances with Wolves uh, in yeah. number two. So, I'll um, trump you. All right, you can okay. trump me. And since you're next with your number one, we can go ahead and talk about Let's it now. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, you yeah. start, since you have it at number one. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's a long movie, don't get me wrong, but I love it. Uh, I love all of these characters. Uh, standing with the Fists, uh, Kicking Bird, Wind in His Hair, Black Shaw. All these characters are so memorable. Like, I just remember the first time Wind in His Hair ran up on his horse or rode up on his horse and he just looked down at Kevin Costner. He goes, I am Wind in His Hair. This is my land. It's like one of the most iconic scenes for me because it's growing up. Like, 
just seeing this guy like trying to intimidate and successfully intimidating Kevin Costner, just looking down. But he also looks at Kevin Costner with fear because he knows what Kevin Costner represents the, mm-hmm. the expansion West, you know, and that means, you know, they get pushed, the, the native Americans get pushed further and further. And uh, you see it, you know, with the deforestation that goes on in this, you see it with the, the skinning of the buffalo it's it's just a it's a reminder of how awful we can be mm-hmm. to other people and so disrespectful of a different person's way of life yeah uh, but no i love this movie so so very much yeah i had it up there too uh i think it is a powerful film um you know i i i do remember the first time i watched it uh was after it was available on home video uh most people who listen to the show know this tt you may not know this i i uh, grew up in a uh um, a strict pop culture home we didn't go to movies and the movies we were allowed to watch were only of a certain kind and so my mom had previewed dances with wolves uh for us to be able to watch as a family and uh then there's a scene i don't know halfway into the movie or so where uh you get a little kevin costner butt he uh mm-hmm. he walks out and my mom's my mom was like i i don't remember that being in i can't believe you know that kind of thing we're like sure mom uh-huh sure you don't remember kevin costner's yeah. butt, sure <laughs> so that's kind of one of those personal stories or you know something i remember about uh about this movie but beyond the kevin costner oh, rear end uh this is this is a, a powerful film and i actually haven't revisited uh revisited it in a while so um it'd be an interesting one to go back and watch uh because i think it's been probably since the 90s uh since i've seen mm-hmm. this so um, this movie is an undertaking it's not a movie that you right. can just like uh, I, I feel like watching Dances with Wolves. You gotta, you gotta, you have to have time allocated to watching it because it is so long. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, that brings us to your number one, TT. All right, my number one is from 1987, No Way Out. Oh, which, man. yeah, I'm not sure that many people are gonna necessarily go back to this particular film as a Kevin I honestly Costner don't highlight. know if I've seen it to be oh. honest oh my goodness let me just tell you like this needs to join like shoot up to the top of your list okay it was at the time and again I remember it because I have been kind of reliving the 80s for a while here now and again I was I was a senior in high school when this came out and it was one of those films that I saw multiple times when it came out, I saw it in theaters. Uh, it involves Gene Hackman as a politician who's having, you know, an affair. Sean Young is his is his mistress. Uh, he has a young military officer who's kind of spending time with him as a almost like an intern to a certain extent, and that's Kevin Costner. Uh, and Gene Hackman ends up killing his mistress, but we turns out that we learned that there's a there's a bit of a triangle going on between the three of them and trying and again the investigation always has costner's character trying to sort of stay one step ahead to so that he doesn't incriminate himself but also Mm -hmm. he's still trying to protect his boss and there is an amazing twist at the end of this film which i'm obviously not going to give away it was it was one of the most suspenseful films that I feel like I had seen up to that point. And again, you were so 
tightly invested in every single character and every every hint of the the motion and, mo- and movement through the plot. It was incredible. And again, it was one of those things. Costner in '87 wasn't necessarily anyone. You know, he wasn't quite there yet. But this film really helped kind of propel him into that yeah. realm. And it was it was one of those films. It was just like, yeah. Once you walked away from it, you're like, yeah, this guy's gonna he's he's going places. Yeah, he's got he's got something. Great recommend. I'll have to check that out. I'm pretty sure I have not seen this, but you've got Costner and Hackman. Uh, you don't need much more to pull me in. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that one out. Uh, my number one should be uh, obvious since I, I trumped it earlier. Um, that kid uh, from 1987's No Way Out, two years <coughs> later, went on to uh, make the greatest baseball movie ever made, uh, Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. Um, and I say that even as somebody who's not like a huge baseball person, like my sport is basketball. That's always been my favorite sport. Um, but I've, I've rarely seen a movie so capture what people love about a sport as field of dreams does. There's, there's something just inherent to why people feel the way they do about baseball that this movie really captures. And I just, I find it very moving. I find it very interesting. Uh, I find the, the performances, um, great, uh, you know that last scene gets me every single I cry time. Every time, every cry single every time. time. Hey, Dad, so. do you want to play catch? I like that. Oh God! Oh God! Exactly. Um, every time. So yeah, so I, I love Field of Dreams, and uh, and yeah, I know you two had it at number three as well. So if either of you have anything you want to add uh, to the conversation, feel free. Gotta love some. Uh, I thought you were crying. I thought you were crying just thinking of the scene. I thought you. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm getting misty. I'm yeah. getting a little misty. It's a little here. dusty. It's, it's a little it, dusty in here. Yeah. I, yeah. I got a lot. I got a lot of pollen coming in. <laughs> sure. Through the through, get it. through my closed windows. So uh-huh. that's just a. I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I. Uh, it's such a good movie. It yeah. really is. Mm-hmm. I, I laugh because Aaron knows how much I hate baseball. I hate baseball. But I love baseball movies because I don't know why. It's the fact that they cut out all the boring stuff that 90% of baseball is. <laughs> so, And they just get down to what really matters. Well, I hate MMA, yeah. but I love the wrestler. So, you know, you know, there's, there's, we've all got our things. Hey, or not the, not you, the wrestler. You mean warrior? I mean warrior. Sorry, warrior, warrior yeah. is what I mean. Yeah. 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 The wrestler's uh, WWE. And, and I don't like WWE <laughs> either. But, uh, but yeah, I like fighting for my family. So, there, yeah, there is something about movies that, you know, can kind of bridge those gaps and, yeah. and what we like. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, there you what go. What's the chat got? Uh, the chat. We'll do some honorable mentions from the chat. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was mentioned, uh, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, uh, Waterworld. How, where do we stand on Waterworld? I mean, it was obviously. I like it. It's not bad. Like it's not as bad as the like the you know the disaster the that it was uh, yeah. would indicate that I think it, it is. Was, I think Waterworld. What people don't realize when they you, they hear all this the stink that comes with that movie is it wasn't a flop critically. It was a flop box office. Like, it, it there was no way it was going to make up the amount mm-hmm. of money it cost to make that movie at the box office. You know, it's interesting. I think it's, I think it's an interesting and fun movie. I really do. It, it's interesting you say that because that can go one of two ways. It usually goes the way it goes with Waterworld. When you start getting a press about how expensive a movie is being made, it almost always goes the way of Waterworld where, where people are like, you paid how much money for this? There's right. one example of a complete opposite reaction to that, and that is Titanic. 
all the press on Titanic before it was how crazy expensive it was to be made, and yet it came out and became the biggest grossing movie of all time. So you can overcome those conversations, but it's difficult, and Waterworld certainly didn't uh, overcome them. Well, I think that James Cameron just has like some kind of magical ability (laughs) to where he can make the most expensive movie and he'll still get his money back. He did it with uh, Titanic. He did it with Avatar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, He's got some Svengali like hold on the box office. Uh, (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Other honorable mentions. I have a couple more, but I'll let TT. Did you have any others you wanted to throw out there? You know, I I actually had revenge because I mentioned the idea of Costner and strong female leads. Mm -hmm. I loved, I actually love the idea of him with Madeline Stowe in this. Um, So yeah, it was one of those, again, it's not exactly a great film. uh, And it it was at times overly melodramatic and again, kind of, you know, over the, over the top in a lot of those ways. But, but at the, at the heart of it, like I said, I just like seeing him, interact with with us with a strong female lead and again yeah she she wasn't exactly the strongest character but there was a dynamic between the two of them that was really fascinating to watch and it was one of those things it was kind of like yeah he some he women bring something else out of him that i find really interesting uh, for him as a performer uh in the chat uh, another mention uh highwaymen uh, says, I think the Highwayman gets overlooked, just really solid. Uh, and then being Masters Week, Tin Cup should probably get a mention. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's probably good to mention Tin Cup. Uh, Andrew, did you yeah. have any other honorable mentions? Uh, two, uh, Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people forget that he's in that movie. Um, Aaron and I, we've, we've had this conversation several times of how, actually, like that movie, it's not bad. Uh, it's... It's actually a pretty good uh, Superman movie. It's just not what people wanted in a Superman movie. I think Henry Cavill's great. I think uh, Russell Crowe is great. And I think Kevin Costner is great. Hey, speaking of uh, that, he's teaming up with Diane Lane again here. Yeah, so, right. I totally right. forgot about that. Right. Yep. I, I, I don't want to say her character's name because it, it triggers some people. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you say that name? Why'd you say that name? Uh, And then I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I'm going to another shout out to Mr. Brooks. Oh, I I know this movie is not great, but I think that the performance that uh, uh, William Hurt gives is enough to shout out this movie because I think it's really good. Mm. Yeah, I don't. Dane Cook is bad and Kevin Costner's blah, but I think William Hurt is really good in this movie. So. If I'm going to shout it out for anything, I'll give it that. Yeah. Uh, I have two others I would mention. JFK, I think deserves a mention. Um, oh, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Molly's Game, more recently, is uh, I think is a decent film. He was her dad, so. wasn't he? Yeah. He sure was. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I, f- I forgot, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I forget. I forget the rules of this game. It's not the best Kevin Costner performance. It's just a movie he's in. That's right. I forgot right. he was right. in that movie. He was definitely <laughs> Molly's game. Uh, all right, let's uh, finish it up with our buried treasure. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Um, I can kick us off on uh, this one. I uh, revisited the player uh, recently because there was some conversation in one of my you know movie conversation groups. And it had been a long time since I had seen it. And so I went back to revisit it. This is kind of the insider 
Um, Hollywood Insider movie, Tim Robbins uh, is the star. Several cameos of people playing themselves. It's very satirical, very, you know, um, there's a cynicism to it, but at the same time, there's still a heart there. Uh, I think that a lot of the meta stuff in this movie still works really well, including an opening, you know, seven minute uh, tracking one shot where people within the one shot are talking about why they love movies where they're open with one shots. Uh, which, you know, just stuff like that is what makes this movie really fun and really interesting. So, um, so yeah, the player, uh, Mm -hmm. is what I would kind of bring to the forefront today and just say, if you haven't checked it out and you love movies, uh, it is, is definitely one that's going to, I think, um, uh, fill some interesting, uh, places in your movie watching if you've never seen it. So yeah, the player is mine. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go next? (laughs) Okay. So. I discovered my new favorite sport, and I gotta let people know about it. Chess boxing. Okay. I'm not making it up. This is a real thing I found. You play chess. Look, I don't usually I don't usually like chess boxing, but I like chess boxing movies. So you know, they're some of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the one that had. Yeah, that one that starred Kevin Costner. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. chess boxer. I yeah, loved it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it's this is a real sport. Like I thought it was just a joke that I found online, but no, there's a real league, there's a real tournament series where you sit down for four minutes and you play chess. After four minutes, the uh the table gets lifted up, you put on boxing gloves, and then you fight your opponent. And then after four minutes, it comes back down. It's whoever either checkmates their opponent or knocks out their opponent wins. Wow! I can't make this up. This it's so. I don't. I can't even tell you how many matches I've watched now, just because I'm like, this is a real thing. I can't believe this is a real thing. Who thought of this? Who thought this could be a fun real thing? They were right, but who, who thought of it? I think it has to be the, the genesis has to be let's take the cerebral and combine it with the physical, right? Like what's the most cerebral yeah. game you can think of? What's the most physical game you can think of? And yeah. combine those two. Um that had to be, be where it came from. I was surprised how many games ended with a checkmate mm. as opposed to a big somebody getting knocked out. And they're not like a noodle armed uh, you know, like brainiacs that are doing this. These are like really fit looking people but their chess skills are actually off the charts like they know different openings and stuff they they really go what's that uh the chess movie or chess show that just came out of oh, the queen's, queen's gambit. gambit yeah yeah, they, yeah. Re- they they really go full queen's <clears throat> gambit and i was like wow uh, uh, bobby fisher's back in town look at this yeah uh no i can't make it up i'm just as surprised as you are as that it's a real thing but you have to know about it because it's great. My favorite uh, chess boxing movie is Punching for Bobby Fischer. Uh, that's that's. Oh yeah, that's, Punching for I Bobby. love that one. That's a good one. Yeah. TT, uh, what do you got for your buried treasure? All right, my buried treasure is a little different than good, what you guys have done with. I'm going. <laughs> it's a YouTube clip. Uh, I'm a big music fan, and it turns out this combines two of my favorite musicians in, in one really interesting way. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, obviously, every year they do their all-star kind of concert gigs where you get just everybody together jamming to support, you know, a, a new inductee. And the year that George Harrison, who happens to be my favorite Beatle, 
got in as a solo artist was the exact same year that Prince got in. And I'm a huge Prince fan. I, I would say Prince mm -hmm. is probably my favorite musician of all time. Mm -hmm. So the idea of having those two guys come together in any kind of moment is crazy enough to me as it is. But the performance that they do for George Harrison is uh, uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, which is, again, one of my favorite songs. Sure. Him. Yeah. It's, okay, now it's, I'm adding this to my watch. <laughs> it's, it's astonishing, just, again, the players that you have. I mean, Tom Petty's there, Dahani Harrison, George's son is there, Steve, Steve Winwood is playing in this band. Again, it's an all-star band. It's a, I guess that the whole taping of the song probably runs about maybe six or seven minutes. Prince comes out to do a solo, though, at the end that just, it's, it's the the most dynamic guitar solo I feel like I've ever seen and heard. He shows you that not only does he know that solo and those, those riffs, but he's able to take it and go in completely different directions with it. Has a great time doing it. He's got his hat. He's got on this really crazy suit that he, you know, again, it's a Prince outfit. Yeah. <laughs> um, he literally at one point, you know, is playing guitar. He leans back into the audience and they have one of the security guys who, who catches him and then pushes him back up all while he's still playing the solo. And more importantly, he gets to the end of this end of the song. Song is over. Everybody's completely just amazed and blown away. And he, as he's walking off, he takes his guitar off and he throws it up in the air. And I defy anyone watching this, this clip on YouTube to figure out what happens to that guitar at the end. <laughs> no one knows. And I've read tons of pieces about like the whole That's performance amazing. and everything else. And everybody's like, I don't know what happened to that guitar. And you know, yeah, there's the the weird the, the weird conspiracy guy would probably say, well yeah, he just threw it up to heaven and it, it was waiting on him when he got there. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of what it feels like because again, he just completely shredded that song in ways that it like I said, it's never gonna be shredded like that again. Well it's so probably that's it for me. It's probably the the guitar ascended to heaven because it you know, it had fulfilled its purpose on the earth. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, it once is. you get played by Prince, there's uh, there's no there's nothing better. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, Right. It totally is. And to be quite honest, that's one of those clips that, again, I will I will go to YouTube once a month just to rewatch it. Yeah. I have, again, there are probably millions of, of you know, replays of, of that video. I probably account for a, a couple hundred of those easily, if not more. Because <laughs> I nice. do. I, and and, every, and if I if I watch it once, there's always a chance I'm going to watch it again. So great. it never it never gets old. That's a great buried treasure. Uh, I love it very much. I will, as soon as we're done here, I will go look that up and, uh, and enjoy that. Cause it sounds absolutely yeah. amazing. So yeah, well I added it to my queue. <laughs> That's right. Glad added to I, queue already. Glad I could do that. Very nice. Way. Well, we did it guys. We did a podcast. Yeah, did. Uh, congratulations Woo. to all of us. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the studio DNA podcast network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studio DNA.media. Uh, or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you. Uh, huge thanks to producer Phil for producing the show. Thanks, Phil. Uh, thanks to Drew for doing the graphic design on the show. Appreciate you. And uh, thank you to TT for joining us uh, this week. TT, where thank can people you. find you? Where do you want to send people? You got anything to plug? Um, where can people find what you're doing? 
Yeah, the easiest thing I tell everybody all the time, if you want to check out my archives, which will have everything from, you know, the writing that I've done to uh, the film coverage on Fox 19, it's all on my blog, which is uh, TerrenceTodd.com. You can find, again, pretty much everything there. Uh, if you happen to be in Cincinnati and you're looking for something to do, let's say July 8th through the 11th of 2021, I would say you should come to the Over the Rhine International Film Festival. Nice. Uh, I am the programmer and artistic director of that festival, so I would definitely welcome and have you come in, see some great films, and really have a chance to hang out in Cincinnati. We're, uh, we got something going on here. You should come check us out. That's awesome. Uh, I used to listen to a band called Over the Rhine. Uh, so yeah so nice Mm -hmm. Uh, much love and gratitude to our SIF Pop members as well for giving monthly to make SIF Pop a real thing support starts at three bucks a month comes with some pretty fun perks you can check it all out at patreon.com slash SIF Pop lots of ways to connect with the podcast you can comment rate or leave a review at Apple Podcasts uh, or you can email us feedback at sifpop.com and finally if you're having a good time your movie loving friends will probably like the show too so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than loading a shotgun one-handed uh we will be back next week with uh, another special guest to uh chat whatever movies we find uh in the universe this coming week so thank you tt thank you andrew and we will see you next time bye As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.